Hey everybody, welcome back to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. He's in sync, holy crap. If you're watching the video, just so you know, he's on, well, you'll tell us what you're on. Uh, but, <laughs> that sounded bad. But, uh, the, the, the operating system that he's using causes his limbs, lips to be out of, his webcam to be completely out of sync. So, um, just know that if he looks like it's a Japanese movie, uh, and um, actually, we should just make you black and white, and then it would be perfect, I and mean, people would understand. <laughs> Darth Vader says he's watching both mine and DT's streams. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure his cool. is more highly produced than mine. So, <laughs> anyways, this is a Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things. We're gonna talk about some Linuxy things. So, the, so just briefly before we jump in, an announcement. This is the last Linux cast of this format. Uh, we're changing things up starting next week a little bit. We're running out of big topics. So we're going to just start doing uh, more newsy type stuff next week. Uh, we're still, I'm sure that our first episode in that format is going to be very beta. Um, so just, I mean, we're still in beta mode right now. So I mean, I don't know really what you're expecting from us. Um, but anyways, that will happen starting next week, which is a little bit different. Same time, we do record this live every Friday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Today, we're going to be doing a speed run because Matt needs to leave by 4 o'clock or so. So, um, just if you wonder why we're moving things along a little bit faster than normal, that's the reason why. Although, given the fact that I'm apparently in ramble mode, we'll probably hear you around 6 o'clock. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, Tyler, what have you been up to uh, this week on Linux? Uh, well, uh, moving to OpenBSD, so... That's why their their webcam might be out of sync. I've got to work on, I've got to come up with a solution for that problem. Um, but the reason I'm on OpenBSD is because I've pretty much gotten gotten. Uh, I've been fed up with uh, Linux just because it keeps making a liar out of me. Um, and also, I'm not really keen to going back and putting Windows on this machine again. So. Um, Anyway, the reason I'm not on Fedora specifically anymore is it's actually kind of funny. Um, so I decided to do a live stream talking about me using Fedora, the pre-release, the, the beta that's out right now for 37. And it was phenomenal. I mean, I, I had an absolutely fantastic time on it. Wayland was working superb. It was awesome it was a it was just overall a great user experience and then i did the live stream where i talked about how nice wayland has has gotten how well it's treating treating me now and i'm actually just overall i i could not have a greater time with fedora i pressed the end live button i legit pressed it and the second the live stream ended I started getting screen flickering on Wayland, which is apparently a problem that can happen. And it wasn't tied to having any application open or anything. And it persisted over multiple reboots. So, yeah, literally, I decide to tell the world publicly that I like Wayland and it's treating me nice and it's great. And it shits the bed literally right after that. That was very annoying. Okay, I would just like to point out that you were on a beta. <laughs> yes, 
Yeah, you're in a hundred percent. You're in a beta. 100%. You should have been using the stable version, and you wouldn't have had any problems. Well, I'm, I can't say that. I don't use Wayland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't understand this thing where people use Wayland and then are surprised when it goes bad. I mean, Wayland is just not ready. I'm sorry. Like, and, and I apologize to the ten people in the chat who are going to say, "Oh, but Wayland works fine on my computer." Well, good for you. Uh, for the rest of us who do more complex things than just browse through Chrome all day, you know, <laughs> you can It's just it's not ready. It has flaws, and I don't really think that that is arguable. It's just not there yet. Yeah. It has yeah, I things that are wrong. I don't see how you can argue that new technology will have problems. Like, of course, like it's new. It's it's just going to have issues, but. Again, my experience is not everyone's experience. I know plenty of people that are using the pre-release of Fedora and ha- are have been using it for way longer than I than I was and have not had any issues. So and it's completely fine. I haven't tried the beta yet at all, and I don't think that I will. At least on hard, I might like try it in the um, I might try it in like a VM or something just for you know shits and giggles. But I probably won't put it on hardware. I probably won't even upgrade to. 37 until 36 is out of support. Um, I'm just having such a good experience with 36. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> so also still yeah. still not going to use Wayland. I'm just going to, I mean, right now I'm using Qtile. Uh, I do want to use the the Wayland version of Qtile for a little while, but I doubt that very much that I'm going to go there and say, oh my God, this is a wonderful experience. I'm never going back to Xorg. Uh, I don't foresee that happening. <laughs> I just really don't. There's there's gonna be too many things there that just won't work. So like I won't be able to use any of my Rofi stuff. As far as I know, Rofi doesn't work on Wayland. I may be wrong about that now, but it, at one point it didn't work on Wayland. Um, I know there are alternatives, but right now I'm like I'm not interested in finding alternatives. I did that once. I switched from Windows, went to Linux, found my alternatives. And I'm happy with those alternatives. I don't want to have to do it a third time. No. Um, yeah, so that's way that's no, I I completely get that. That's Wayland. All right, anyways, uh, so you switched to PSD now. Uh, also, as I do every week when Tyler's using something new, bets on over under when he switches to the next thing. Um, uh, mm-hmm. super chats and uh for the bets. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, the the sad part is is almost every single person that would make a bet on how long because people did were placing bets on when I'd move away from Fedora. And I have to be honest, every single one of them were completely inaccurate because they were all way too long. Like <laughs> people were like, people were like two days, three days, and like I, I'm not kidding. Like it, after the live stream ended, I spent maybe 24 hours doing constant reboots, trying to fix it and do everything. And then after that, I was just like, nope, can't do it anymore. I'll try something. I'll just go back and give OpenBSD a a, a good another shot. It's actually been really good. Hmm. You know, <laughs> if you you've been in sync since we hit record, I'm just putting this out there. Um, if if that problem could go away, BSD sounds like it'd be perfect for you because you like you like the tinkering of it, um, uh-huh. and you know you like making videos about it. it. Sounds like that's your home. You just gotta fix the little problems. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's really it. It's just rough around the edges. Yeah. yeah. Um, my biggest problem. With that, and again, remember, I've never used BSD, but I'd be I'd be very worried that an update would come down and just ruin everything. Um, I've heard stories, anyways. But that happens with I mean, that's basically just use, using Arch. <laughs> I mean, it can happen on well, Arch. I mean, really, in all honesty, welcome to using software. Like, yeah, updates can definitely break your stuff. Yeah. But all right. What so, about you? What you been up to? So we did not do a all right. So 
first, I apologize for us being really, really bad at doing episodes right in a row. It's been completely my fault. Um, just some days... I've helped. Some things just... It just doesn't fall in the place. We can't do an episode. Uh, last week, we were going to push back a day, uh, and then things happened. It did not happen at all. So that's the reason why uh, some of my experience – this is basically what I'm telling you that I've done for the last two weeks. So uh, I was originally going to spend a week in Qtile. And uh, I didn't ex- – like you guys know me. I'm a big i3 fanboy. i3 is my jam. It's fantastic. And I still think it's fantastic. And it's still my favorite window manager. But – after spending a week in Qtile, I've now spent a second week in Qtile, and it is very good. Like it is a very good window manager. Uh, I, people say, "Well, oh, it's coded in Python." Um, I'm not a developer, so I don't have this anger towards Python that a lot of developers have. I find Python fine. People say it's slow. I don't see slowness. Maybe it's in the compile time or something like that where they're thinking it's slow or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't. You don't have to compile Qtile once you've, it's done. So, um, you know, it's just it, it's really good. And I I really I've learned more. So I've used Qtile in the past, right? And at that point, I was really unwilling to learn another language. I learned just enough to be dangerous when it came to Python and uh, doing some configuration in Qtile. This time, I've learned way more about Python than I did last time. And I'm really kind of proud of myself. Still not a developer. Still doing everything in a completely the wrong way, I'm 100% sure. But I'm much further along in terms of knowing stuff like how to import things from other files and how to change color schemes on the fly thanks to martin Biltz from source who did that uh, in one of his videos and uh, i kind of built off from that which is really good um so i've had a lot of fun you know so uh yeah i'm in qtile uh, right now that's what i've been doing i only have one question because i know you've tried qtile before how is it going with like the multiple workspaces and multiple monitors it's been working fine um, okay. Yeah, it's it's been working really good. Uh, it took some getting used to with the whole the way the like the workspaces can switch monitors and stuff like that. Once you get used to that, so basically what I've gotten used to, and I wrote this in a blog post uh, last week. Basically, my big monitor, the one that I just got, the one that's 32 inches, is now like the main monitor. That's where all my work happens. The second monitor might as well not exist. Like it just stores stuff. Like I never hardly do any work over there, and that's because when I need to do some, when there's a application that's on this screen that I need to do work on, I just press the binding and it shows up on this monitor, and I do the work here, and then I send it back over to the other one. That's just, it's a storage place. As I wrote in that blog post, I don't know that I really like that workflow because it makes it feel like I've just have one monitor. I think Qtile would be fantastic for one monitor. Like if you just had one widescreen monitor like 48 inches or something like that like humongously i think it would be perfect for that like probably the best window manager for that situation um just because that's kind of the way i i think xmonad would probably be the same way because xmonad handles workspaces exactly the same way as qtile at least in terms of workflow Uh, but i think for multiple monitors it, it works fine it's just it changes the way multiple monitors kind of play a role in your workflow, at least for me. Um, the other thing is is that 
I've lived these last two weeks with 12 workspaces. Um, and I feel so constrained, man. <laughs> Like, 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 I was about to say, I was like, are you, are you surviving? Like uh, just barely making it. So almost always I use all the workspaces that I have. Like almost always. Sometimes there's one or two that are empty. Um, but it hasn't been so bad that I've added more. Like I have figured out how to add more in Qtile, which is something that I didn't figure out how to do before. Um, the problem is, is that the way Qtile does their... Uh, like the the way you assign key bindings for Qtile, unless you bind a, the workspaces to a specific monitor, then it changes. But by default, you the way the key bindings work is that they're assigned by name. So if I wanted to create a 13th workspace, I could do so by giving the name of the key that I wanted to bind to. So, for example, mod P or something. You know what I mean? So that'd be workspace P. The problem is, is that all the keys I have with super and then just a letter or just a number, those are all pretty much all taken up with stuff. Uh, so I've, <laughs> if even if I wanted to find a you know a couple keys on my keyboard where I could assign uh, new workspaces, it'd be kind of hard because they're all kind of associated with something else. Like you can't do HJKL because those are the Vim keys, uh, and um, you do you move around with Windows with the Vim keys, right? Uh, G and S and A are all key chords that I use for something else. Uh, Z and X are the ones that I use for uh, text expansion. Uh, C and V are obviously um, C V B D and M are all for uh, um, wow, brain just completely turned off. <laughs> um, scratch pads, that's the word that I was looking for. So those are all for scratch pads. And then Q obviously is for quitting Windows. W is for the browser. Like all of my, I, I just went through almost all 26 letters. And you guys kind of get the idea that I just cannot find a key here to bind to more workspaces. I can't. Um, I mean, I, yeah, well, actually, and I was going to wait to see if you were going to mention this, but it actually gets worse than that. Cause it's not just, you need, you actually need two cause you need the mod and then the, the letter or, or number or whatever. And then you also need another one like mod shift or whatever, like whatever you're going to use so that you can actually like not just move, go to the workspace, but send things. the work. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So 12 is pretty much the limit from the way I have it right now, just simply because, all the other letters have stuff with them, uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize what a mess my key bindings were until I was started to search for blank ones, like think something that I could use. Um, and some of the, like my key bindings just make no sense whatsoever. Like uh, the one for emoji is a is a key chord that's super S and then E. You know. Some of them, uh, that's not even the weirdest one. There's just some really weird key bindings that I have and I'm just used to. I can't change them now. I'd have to, com com it completely ruined everything. <laughs> uh, that, that, that should be a, ch that should be a challenge. You know what I mean? What, what, some yeah. of the, where we have to use someone else's key bindings for a week. <laughs> oh, oh no. Um, oh no. <laughs> we, like we could use LARBs or something like Luke Smith's LARBs. Cause he has some really weird key bindings too. I know a lot of people like them, I but. I think we should definitely do that one time because I, I, I know for a fact, like, at, there's going to be at least one point throughout that experience that both of us hit a point where we go, I can't take th this. This is not okay. Who, why would you do that? Because that's, I mean, that's everything with key bindings. It's yeah. personal preference. Yeah. And like, whew. 
Anyone who people uses, got some weird choice. Anyone who uses super shift sheet super shift C to close their window, I can't. I can't get behind it. Like I can't. Super shift super shift C just does not work for me. Super Q has been the way I've closed windows since I've used a window manager. Trying to change it to super shift C would just blow my mind and probably make me not use the computer. Oh wow, nothing would ever get closed. <laughs> Uh, the the worst one is I've seen key bindings for Super Shift Q uh, to close windows, and that one kills me because I'm like, that's what I've always put to like kill the like window manager, the whole yeah, the whole window manager. Yeah, like, mine too. I've, mm-hmm. um, I've never used that to c- kill a window, and that one would scare. Like I would almost never close windows because I would be convinced I'm about to kill my win- window manager. Well, can you imagine? Someone who does that, like someone who's really into Emacs, and uh, all of their key bindings for their window manager are all key chords from Emacs. <laughs> like that. Um, all right. I, so I was probably about to break this vape. I was like, no. <laughs> okay. No. So I have a confession to make before we move on to the contact information. I downloaded Emacs again. <laughs> Vanilla. No, hell no. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> no, no, do okay. me, Max. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to... Just want to see how bold you were. All right, so the thing is that I do a lot of Markdown writing. That's why I do I do all of my work work in Markdown in an app called MarkText. And MarkText is really good. But I've had multiple situations over the last few weeks where I will blatantly save something after I'm in the middle of something or whatever, I'll save it. I hit control S and it says that it's saved. I will close mark test text or something will cause mark text to close, whether it's me, you know, I shut down my computer or whatever. And I come back and it didn't save. And that's just, that's not okay. <laughs> okay. Not, not when I'm like, I mean, it's never much. It's usually just a few words, but it's just, that's not an okay thing. So, um, I've been looking for a different Markdown editor, and I haven't found a really good one. I know people say Obsidian is really good, has too much weird knowledge-based stuff in it I don't really need. Um, so I downloaded Emacs that has a whole bunch of stuff. So. Electron. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Emacs is, is nothing. I don't think that I'll make a video on it. I've made too many videos, and I'm pretty sure the last video I made was I'm never trying Emacs again, so I don't want to <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, here would be the interesting thing. If you do make a video on Emacs, it should be like months from now when you've like like become a like full Emacs user, and you should just do a video like just just about Emacs, but assuming that everyone else is already like into Emacs and knows everything that you're talking about. <laughs> Those are the videos that crack me up so much about someone who like because there's a lot of these videos where people are like explaining Emacs, but they're explaining Emacs to somebody who's used Emacs for two years. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Okay. Yeah, it, can you do that key chord one more time, but slower? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to the contact information. You can get in contact with us in any number of ways. Like seriously, there are tons of ways. Most of these can be found at the linuxcast.org slash contact. Uh, that has all of my contact information. It has all of Tyler's contact information. You can get a hold of us through many different social media networks, Fostodon or Mastodon, um, Twitter, Discord, all that stuff. All that stuff at Twitter is at the linuxcast.org slash contact. 
And speaking of the LinuxCast.org, there you'll find links to all of our episodes all the way back to season one of the show. Um, so if you want to get caught up on some really bad podcasting, go check it out. It's really good. And I'm not just talking about the ones that we started like at the beginning, like seriously, a couple weeks ago, bad podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> so go check that shit out. It's good. Also, you'll find weekly blog posts there from yours truly. I blog about stuff, whatever's on my mind. Uh, it's a stream of consciousness. I do one blog post a week. Uh, there will never be more than one blog post a week uh, because I don't like doing blog posts, but I've been forcing myself to do it for science. Anyways, uh, YouTube or uh, YouTube.com/slash/LinuxCast is where you can find all of the videos. Obviously, Tyler is on YouTube and he has actually made streams in the last week, which is and and I'm not just saying this. I swear to God, I mean it. There will be videos coming pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And by pretty soon, I mean a couple days. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you can find all of his stuff at youtube.com slash zanyog. You can email us at email at the linuxcast.org. Uh, support, uh, support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash linuxcast. And, uh, I think that's it. I don't actually have it in front of me, so I was doing it from memory. You guys should be very, very impressed. Uh, it's not as if we haven't done a hundred episodes of this where the contact information has never changed. <laughs> So, anyways, yeah, all that stuff, that's contact information. Make sure you uh, email us feedback, all that stuff. We're happy to hear from you. Uh, we do get your emails. Like, I do get your emails. Like, if you email me, uh, I'm just a horrible, horrible person at actually responding to emails. So, um, if you have emailed me in the past week or so, or longer than that, sadly, uh, know that I got it. I probably read it. I didn't reply to it because I'm an asshole. Uh, also... Uh, I'm just really, I'm just really bad at replying to emails. Um, my own mother could email me. I'd probably respond within a month. I'm just saying. Uh, just I'm the same. So if anyone's emailed me and I haven't responded, it's the same, man. I'm terrible. Okay. It's not because I don't like you or I read it and then just threw it away. It's because I genuinely haven't even seen it. Sorry. Emails for old people. That's not, that's not even true because I am old people. I'm just really bad at it. So don't don't take effect. Don't take offense. Um, there, there was one guy at the beginning when you first joined that we kept saying we just start we kept generalizing like things about the older generation, like my generation, <laughs> you know, and in all of older, and uh, he, they got really mad. Um, that was just a joke. It was not true. Um, anyways. <laughs> Don't cancel us, please. <laughs> Moving on to the main topic. So, uh, yeah, we're skipping the news this week because uh, we're going to do news next week. That's all we'll do, as we said at the beginning. So, um, the main topic. I just this... loaded up the, the news. <laughs> I totally forgot that we were going to skip. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying you have read your email, Josh? If you sent me an email, man, I did not get it. Um, so. Uh, you, I would have known if you had sent me an email. I'm like, plus you have like 12 other ways of getting co- in contact with me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> emails. That's so true. Josh has no right to complain about not seeing an email. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, moving on to the main topic. The main topic this week is about the Linux community. Now, we've talked in the periphery about the Linux community in the past. And we've talked about uh, toxicity in the Linux community in the past and uh, how horrible the Linux community can be in the past. Um, okay, hold on a second. Again, 
I really should not have the chat in front of me because <laughs> uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name. I own I Ian. I, I don't. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm butchering that. But I bet TLC is 20 something. No, I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. I'm just gonna put that out there. I was born in 85. Now Tyler, he was born in 97, so he's he's yeah. the younger one. Um, even yeah. though he looks older than me, <laughs> I don't know how this works. <laughs> it's weird. I'm going. I do not take offense to that <laughs> at all. <laughs> um. Anyways, yes. Anyway, now seriously, I I do not need the chat in front of me. <laughs> you guys are just distracting me like crazy. Anyways. Uh, so the community. So we talked about how bad Linux can be. Right. How bad the Linux community can be in terms of toxicity, in terms of not helping people. I've done a RTFM um, video in the past. So what I wanted to do today was do two things. So the initial question was, does the Linux, does Linux need the community? That was the original question we were going to start off with, and and we will answer that because there there has been some talk specifically from the. Manjaro people that the community is not needed. It's something they don't really need their community, and um, so we're going to talk about that. But I also want to talk a little bit in terms of a of a positive aspect uh, of the community. So I'm, we'll transition from one to another. So Tyler, do you think that Linux needs the community, or would it be perfectly fine just to have Linus Torvalds and his crew doing the the kernel, and then a few distros or whatever that just do their thing without any community input i'm looking at you gnome um so what do you think that is a, it is an interesting question with i uh, i would assume to be a common sense answer yeah because i mean like all right sure a piece of software can exist without a community which by community like you can have a whole bunch of definitions for like what a community is or what it means to you. But I guess in this context, the only definition of community that matters is we're talking about users, like a group of people who use the software. Um, if software doesn't have a user base, then it's not necessarily that the software like shouldn't exist or anything, but it's the software can't get better. And what I mean by that is it can't get better in the sense that matters because you could have a, t like, here's a great example. S Google Stadia had very advanced like tech going on behind it. The tech behind Stadia and their game streaming service was phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. They've killed it. Why? I mean, there was a whole bunch of terrible decisions made to like, platform wise but that's besides the point the reason it died is because no one's using it so if, if you can't if you don't have users it doesn't matter how awesome the software is it, it, it can't improve or be meaningful in any way that matters so you to, to me I, I don't see a world in which commu a community for a piece of software doesn't matter um, what's your opinion on that? Okay, so before I get into mine, uh, there are a couple things that I want to say. So first, there are examples within the Linux community of projects that don't really take community input well. 
So Gnome is one, obviously. Manjaro is kind of another one. Uh, really small projects that are just like one person. Like, for example, Vim is a really good example of a pro project that doesn't take community input all that well. If you look at the commits for Vim, it's just the creator. That's all there is in terms of commits there. It's just the dude who created it. Uh, he doesn't really like to take community input. I mean, he does listen to people, but any commits that go go, go into Vim, he does. Uh, so that that's the reason why NeoVim exists, because they wanted to take it into a different direction and they wanted to have a more community-focused version of Vim. And you can see NeoVim has done that. If you look at the commits for NeoVim, there are like a whole bunch of different people who do commits uh, on their Git. Uh, github page so there are examples of this working both ways right so despite my feelings on gnome gnome is a project that flourishes without community input um and they piss their community piss the community off all the time <laughs> like maybe not so much right now but in the past they've removed things that community the community really wants and has to have you know has had it really harsh opinions on uh they've you know had a desktop environment that was really really freaking slow for years they just never fixed it um you know, you know really gnome didn't start getting even usable until uh ubuntu switched back to gnome and started pushing stuff upstream so they do take community input from like big corporations apparently but not from like the general community right so th there are are examples of it working kind of both ways so but my opinion on this is of course like you it, it's definitely something that you can have an open source project obviously i just listed a couple where there's just a small group of people that are in charge and they make all the decisions there's no large like open source effort to uh, develop or support a project you can do it that way but you limit yourself to uh, ideas just from that group right one of the greatest things about open source is when you have a somewhat large group of developers working on stuff is that you can take ideas from multiple different people and kind of have a a more open and maybe broader view on the direction of the project it can make it so that your project gets new features and has different areas of development in something that you just can't do with just a few people. But it also, obviously, like this is the big one, it gets you a broader workforce of volunteers. If you're just having like just one person or just a group, small group of people that you're close to, like these are the only people you allow to develop, you're limiting yourself to uh, just those people. You are shutting yourself away from the workforce of volunteers that would probably happily take, you know, some of your projects and try to make issues or whatever and fix those. Right. If you don't accept pull requests yeah. from the community. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I know I keep going back to like people, projects that are on Git because that's usually like, that's like the community place where uh, people develop together. But I mean, obviously this stuff works beyond that. So, in terms of the the main question, do projects need the community? I think the answer is of course. For well, the most and part. I think it also goes a 
Well, I, I think it goes a little bit deeper because, <clears throat> excuse me, because, um, I mean, whether or not a project takes feedback from the community at all or well or whatever is it's definitely like you you can make an argument ba based off of whether or not they need to do it or they benefit from it but an even more thing is is like you need a community like you you at the very least whether or not you're going to listen to them is a whole different debate or topic but you at least need the community because Again, even if you're not going to take the feedback, if no one, if in a public space like the internet, if no one is interested in what you're doing, eventually, like psychologically, you're going to stop doing it because it, there, there can't be anything more self-evident than what you're doing is, is meaningless than when you put it out online where literally Almost everyone on the earth, most people, like, granted, there's still a lot of people that don't have internet access, but most people on the planet have access to internet. And if none of them find what you're doing interesting, you have no community at all around your project, whatever, that eventually, psychologically, it's going to click that you're doing something wrong. Like, if no one out of millions possibly I, billions of people find you interesting or, or your that project is, gonna die. or your project is just so niche you know what i mean that yeah. nobody nobody cares right it's it's the same thing with like starting a youtube channel if you start a youtube channel and nobody watches your videos it's really hard to keep making youtube videos because why would you bother doing it it's like you know exactly the the i mean it's a little bit different because with youtube and you know creating content like that the best way to get you know, a community is to continue to create content. But so with a pro with like a open source project, it's a little bit harder because you're not continuing to make, you know, like you're continuing to update stuff, but uh, there has to be a source of an audience to begin with. You know, like you have to have, yeah. uh, like a lot of times projects become popular because they were shared by someone like a YouTuber or they were shared by the Reddit community or something like that. And that's how people, ha you know, there's no feed that you like, there's no open source Twitter uh, feed where you know just new projects just kind of pop up. I mean, there probably is. Of course, now I say that there probably is one of those things where you, it, there's like a bot that tweets out uh, random open source projects from GitHub uh, that probably exists. But you know, what I mean, the, the the discovery of new projects kind of relies on you know Reddit and Twitter and discord and stuff it relies on those things for people discovering your projects and if nobody can discover yeah. it because you don't have a community like as tyler said you know it makes it hard for you to stay motivated to continue to develop it i mean unless you're developing it just for yourself and you don't give a rat's ass if nobody else uses it in which case maybe you didn't even share it online you know what i mean and well that's but completely... see that's the thing that a lot of people don't even take into account like no matter what, when you're creating, or I wouldn't say no matter what, but in most cases, if you're creating software, even if you have a vision or you have an ideal, and I got that from Sugarcane in chat, it, even if you have a vision or you have a, um, you know, a, a, a goal in mind with this software, that it doesn't matter whether or not other people use it, 
the community of that software is you. Like, like even if you're making it just for you, you have your community. Like, you are the community. Like, as extremely niche and as, like, singular as that is, it's still true. Like, you are developing it for you. So you're the community. Like, you have – if you're creating something like software, there you're not just going to make it so that you can literally throw it in the trash bin. Because if you make a piece of software and you don't use it and no one else uses it, then why the hell did you make it? You might as well just throw it in the trash bin. You haven't made anything. So, like, there, when it comes to motivation, like, you, you pretty much need a community. Like, you need someone to be using it. And um, I'm not afraid to say this because I'm sure we're about to get into it. Um, but I, I haven't – I'm completely ignorant and have, have no idea about what's going on with Manjaro and them saying that they don't need a community. But – just hearing that statement at, at face value, which I'm sure that people and groups of people, which is what Manjaro is and all projects, group of people making something, um, uh, people are complex. So I'm sure that I could be missing out on some like details or what they truly meant by it. But at face value, saying that you don't need a community is stupid. Like even if you're not going to listen to them, that's a totally different statement than I, than you don't need people. Like, Manjaro, I'm pretty sure, has developers that would like to get paid, like even in a, some small way, for what they're doing on Manjaro and their their free time that they're dumping into developing Manjaro. Um, without a community, there's no way that you'll ever make money off of what you're doing. There's there's no meaning behind it. Like if Manjaro, if every single person that uses Manjaro disappeared tomorrow and they had no one, no one would use it. No one would touch it. Why would the developers keep developing it? It makes no sense. I agree. And I can't tell you the, the details around why they said that. I just know that they said something of that vein. Um, it's been a while. And I think it was responding to uh, maybe eBuzz Central. I think that that's where I got that uh, notion from. He Because he had some kerfuffle with the Manjaro developers. Um, anyways, they've obviously had some weird interactions with the community in the past where they've, yes. you know, taken code and used it as their own. It's really weird. I'm not sure all the details there, so I really can't, shouldn't comment. But um, the so the, just to kind of transition into the next part where I think it's more positive is that and why it's so baffling that some people don't want to have community input and stuff like that is that the community of of Linux is 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 absolutely amazing. Like, right? We've talked this, about this before in in, in in some detail, but the idea that you can live as a Linux user, as a Linux developer, without experiencing what it means to be actually a part of the Linux community is disappointing it's not impossible like you can live in a silo and be a loner in the linux community just like you can in any community you know you can just use linux and i mean yeah. maybe you don't I even mean, you could be the proverbial fly on the wall like you can do that yeah um i mean maybe you don't even know you're using linux you know i mean i know a lot of people who don't like they they, they had their uh linux installed on by someone else uh and they just use chrome and do jigsaw puzzles online all day you know that that's mm -hmm. what they do they don't they don't know they're using linux they don't care 
So mm-hmm. that it, it is possible, but for the people who explicitly install Linux on their own, it feels kind of sad to me if you feel like you don't want to be a part of the community because I, I and I think that this is where the negative aspects of Linux kind of come in because a lot of people they come into Linux and they hear all these great things about how awesome the Linux community is and how, how easy it is to get help and uh, you know all these fantastic places where you can find like-minded people and then they discover the assholes you know what I mean and that turns them away like maybe they continue to use Linux but they never seek out you know friendships and relationships with people never they never get involved in discussions they never watch podcasts or get into the podcast chat they just don't interact in that way because they had that, that initial really bad experience um, but uh, that's what makes it so a little depressing because in broad strokes the Linux community is the absolute best thing about Linux. Because, um, I mean, both you and I have had negative things to say about Linux itself. Like, it's, you know, it can be hard to install. It's obviously not the most stable thing in the world. Wayland hates us. Pipewire hates us. You know, you yep. know, have all of these things to just go, compl- go wrong all the time. The one thing that has never let us down is the Linux community. <laughs> You know, it's the yeah. one place that you and I both found for, we found each other through the Linux community. You know what I mean? So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the one thing about Linux that is consistently overall very, very good. And it's – Well, and I think this is – it highlights a problem with people because the Linux community, we're kind of a – we have a twofold issue where, one, we let anybody in, like – if you want to become part of the Linux community, there is no barrier to entry, like, at all. So anyone can come in, and with that comes people who are new. Like For one, Linux is completely free. The other options cost money. So mm-hmm. we're more likely to get younger people in the group. And younger people don't know how to articulate dislike for something like I'm shit. I'm 25 and I still fuck up a lot. Okay. So like as a young kid, I am sure that like when it comes to trying to articulate that, because with Linux, there's thousands of choices. You you can choose anything, like just try and choose a DE and see like it, within 15 minutes, you found 23 different options, which one's the best people don't and so like for people who don't know how to articulate their their preference and dislike of certain things or you know whatever it gets complex and it's very easy to sound like an asshole even if you're not an asshole even mm-hmm. even if you're not trying to be rude it's very easy if you're if you've not very socially developed to come off as an asshole when that's not your intention at all and then also we because the barrier to entry is so low and most people if not almost everyone who is truly into the FOSS uh, ideals and mindset we are all freedom of speech advocates like you should be able to say whatever you want if i disagree with you and think what you're doing is wrong i should be able to say it if you disagree with me and think i'm being a stupid entitled douchebag you have the right to say that perfect 
and with that comes a community that doesn't kick out assholes. So assholes can stay around. And I, I think we've had a discussion on whether or not that's a good thing, but yeah. at, at yeah. the end of the day, it, yeah. And it's, but, but at the end of the day, I think it does more good than harm. Um, cause I mean, people who become assholes or become very antagonistic and stuff, you're only going to further them by kicking them out of a group. Like those people are only going to get more ostracized and more upset and more agitated. So yeah. I, I think, I think with the Linux community, what keeps some people out of, of Linux for a few years or possibly their entire lifetime where they'll never come back and check it out. Cause some guy was a super douche to them and they, they, they have no interest in coming back. I, f I feel like for, for a lot of those people, it's, there's nothing like that's not a wrong perception. Cause you probably did have a terrible experience with a douchebag, but I would hope that over time, the, the I ideal of allowing that person to have their voice and allowing them to show off who they are and you be able to decide whether or not you want to interact with that person ever again is a, it's a valuable trait and a valuable thing to have, especially in a group of people. I mean, I, this is me personally, but I don't, I don't think there's any better kind of community than, than one that is actually willing to let the people who, Others wouldn't allow to talk and maybe don't even want to hear from them. At least give them a voice, like let them talk. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. I, I think that's a good trait to have in a community. All right. Yeah. So two things. First, Nate pick. Thanks for the super chat. appreciate that. Uh, another thing is that they're having a debate over whether or not windows is free. Cause you said that all the other options cost money and uh, Tyler is wrong. Technically, they, the you can get Mac and uh, Windows for free, uh, but he was also right in that um, you pay in other ways. <laughs> they, they well, I mean, it, saying that it's free is completely disingenuous. Like, technically, yes, you're right. But the only way you're going to get a copy of Mac OS, obviously, I mean legally, of course, there are much more shadier ways of getting things, but... In the context of legality, the only way you're going to get Mac, period, is by buying a Mac, which mm -hmm. I don't know. If you don't include the cost of the operating system in like $2,000, like, okay, cool. That's your own decision. Sure, the laptop's worth two grand on its own. They definitely didn't manufacture it for like 500 bucks. Okay. Um, and then also on the Windows side, it's just disingenuine because like home is free. Yes. Uh, but All right. with quite a few stipulations. So the, the, the thing is, is that it's free now, but the reason why it's free is because everyone has a Linux license and they've had it for years. It came with a computer somewhere along the line or Windows it, license. It, you said Linux. Yeah, I mean Windows. I'm sorry. Windows license. Everyone has one. Uh, somewhere they picked that up along the line, whether they, they got it with a computer or they got it like me when they literally bought it on a CD and it came on a little card with the the 25 digit number you had to read out, you know, somewhere along the line, you paid for windows. You just might not know it. You know, you bought it with a, yeah. a, a hardware piece of hardware and that activation key got attached to your Microsoft account. Uh, and so you paid for windows 
uh, you did. Um, you just may not have paid explicitly for it. Um, also, they steal all of your data and um, take the soul of your ch- children. So, um, yeah, yeah, you pay in other ways. And then try to <laughs> shove one drive down your throat. <laughs> so, yeah. yay. And it, anyways, um, try uninstalling Office. And also, welcome to McAfee, bitches. <laughs> 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 so, um. <laughs> Anyways, the, the the Linux community is absolutely amazing, and we have numerous examples of that being true. And we've talked about the whole bad apple situation many times in the past, and what we could do about it, how how it could be handled. Um, and really, there is no solution for that because. Even in a community that is well moderated, like if you are on a social media site that does moderation, moderation is imperfect no matter what because it's a human yep. thing that they have to do. Uh, either it is a software system that was created by humans that is not perfect or it's done by actual humans who also interpret rules in different ways and stuff like that so moderation itself is not perfect but the the linux community is completely unmoderated and having it so that you would moderate the linux community in some way i I don't know how we'd even begin to do that is just not a very good i i don't think it's a very good idea i also think it's completely impossible because the linux community is not just like twitter like twitter exists and is a one monolithic thing right it can yeah. be moderated yeah. well, in theory. That, that's the most important part because we're spread across multiple platforms. Right. I mean, so, like, can, the Linux community at large, you different can't... projects. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, impossible. I mean, not you, you... – yeah, like, you can't put all Linux community underneath one Discord, like, rule set. Like, it doesn't yeah. work. There's no auto mod, right? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the the thing is, is that – so, you see, so it can't be moderated. The, the, the solution to – Fixing the asshole problem in the Linux community would be moderation, but that's impossible. It can't, it can't happen. So instead, the solution is to grow thicker skin. And it sounds like an asshole solution. Like you just kind of have to take it, but you kind of have to. That's kind of the solution for it is to realize that you're on, you're on a, basically a forum of people uh, where anybody can say whatever they want. Unfortunately, that includes the negative people. And you just kind of have to put up with the negative people. And if you can do that, you then will have access to the vast majority of people who are really good people and are willing to help, are willing to perform, perform willing to form friendships and relationships and, you know, uh, take part in events and meetups and all this stuff. You know, all well, that that's stuff. That's the way you improve too. Like yeah. you can't improve if you're not, if per- personally you won't grow if you don't, hit things that challenge you and there's nothing more challenging than being nice and courteous to an asshole like oh that's that the best, right there will build character best way to piss them off too um, uh, yeah <laughs> seriously, <laughs> if you encounter someone who's being a dick to you be the nicest person right back to them yes. and it'll either make them angrier which is highly entertaining or <laughs> it, it it will confuse them. Like, it, you know, they, like, they won't know how to respond and they'll just wander off in confusion, you know? So <laughs> you, you encounter a, a dick, be nice to that person. Cause you know, sometimes people who are, are assholes aren't assholes all the time. They're just having a bad day. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So being yep. nice to them doesn't cost you anything. Uh, and also, if they're an asshole all the time, it will either confuse them or piss them off more, which will just provide you with some free entertainment. Um, so uh, that's always my option when I f- find someone who's being a, a douchebag. Just be nice to them because they don't. Most of the time, they don't know how to respond to it. Like, <laughs> oh, yep. thank you, but thank you for I, thank I, you for that. <laughs> I mean, this is this is this should be pretty self evident, but. Be sincere when you're being nice to them. Sincere niceness to someone who's being really rude to you, it gen, nine. I would say more times uh, than them just getting more angry, they just get extremely confused. Like that's the really likely one. They're like, "What the hell is going on?" It's just when you're upset, you don't. You you're not ready for someone to be nice to you when you're like hurling insults at them. It's just like, what what's happening? Like- the, so. e- the easiest way to like, like in a real life real life argument if you're get, if you're fighting with someone and you don't know how to end the argument just hug the person they'll stop yelling at you they, like, like that's gonna confuse the fuck out of them because you're hugging wait, wait a minute i was really angry and now i'm getting a hug <laughs> like where, where did this go you know <laughs> it's it's an interesting way anyway my yeah my one line that i that i would say is probably the best one to use in those situations where someone is upset at you or just upset in general, just, just say, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I genuinely hope it gets better. That one right there is normally what I go with when someone's really upset. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Linux, tube, I don't know if it's wrong, but the Linux tube, thank oh, you for sorry. the super chat. I appreciate that. All right. So those are our thoughts on the Linux community. I'm sure we could go on for another little while but it is four o'clock it is time that, that was a speed run if there ever was a speed run so we do have thingies of the week to talk about so we're moving on to the last portion of the show which we have creatively entitled thingy of the week uh we could have called it any number of things uh, app of the week picks of the week uh trip tricks of the week we could have called it many things but uh, those were all taken so uh we called them thingies of the week get your mind out of the gutter that's not what we're talking about um, but anyways, we have thingies of the week. Tyler, your thingy of the week. Uh, mine is lemon bar. I've never used this before, ever. Um, I just tried it out on, on OpenBSD because I saw someone had like a, uh, I can't remember, like they were using, they just were starting it up and using it on XenoDM, the like login manager that comes with OpenBSD. And so I decided to give it a shot and try it out and so far, I'm actually pleasantly surprised with the simplicity of like how it works, and I mean it's not bad. I, I actually enjoy it. So I I don't know if it comes like default on like most Linux systems or or not. I I know I've seen it like plenty of people using it before. You can obviously download I've it from the AUR, um, but I think you have oh, to build, of course. Of I course. think you have to build it everywhere else. Um, it has been a long time since I looked at it, so I could be wrong now. Um, but yeah, it's a good bar. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've oh, been pleasantly surprised. What, what about window, you? What window manager are you using it in? Oh, uh, I, I'm using CWM for right now. The one of the built-in uh, OpenBSD uh, window managers, and it's a floating window manager, but it's got a lot of tiling window manager like aspects to it. So it's probably like it for people who like like OpenBox. It's very kind of similar to open box uh, again it's not like a co- copy or anything or trying to be like open uh open box but it's kind of similar so i've been enjoying it yeah cool 
Um, so my thingy of the week this week is something that I've talked about before and wasn't that impressed with, uh, and that is Faustodon. So Faustodon is an instance of Mastodon. And if you remember, if you've watched the channel for any amount of time, you know that I've made a video on Mastodon before. And I was not impressed with it simply because, like we were just talking about with the, the Linux community only, uh, Mastodon writ large, where you have no filters whatsoever, is really, really bad. Like, it, it takes the magnification of, like, the small Linux community and opens it up to the whole damn world. And there are way more assholes. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of really bad shit on the federated timeline of just open up ma opened up mastodon just it's not a great place to be it, you can filter that stuff out and you have to do it manually or you could join something called matt or faucetodon faucetodon is a mastodon instance but they've filtered out quite a bit of the stuff like you know child porn and stuff like that so you don't have to see any of that stuff oh thank um, god yeah, yeah that'd right be nice um so some people call that um censorship i call that just i don't want to see that stuff so i'm happy to be there where there's some censorship i suppose um but any, anyways Fossidon is yeah, a much nicer too. place of mastodon and uh it obviously focuses on freedom for source software so a lot of the people who are on that instance deal with linux and open source stuff so um yeah Fossidon is really good and i've been spending a lot of time on there lately and i have it set up now so that when i tweet something it also appears on faucetodon so uh, that is so you can get my stuff both ways which is nice so yeah faucetodon check that out faucetodon.org is where you would find that um check it out so that is it this week for the linux cast we will be recording again live next friday with our little bit of a change of a new format. So that should be fun to listen to. If you want to watch live, you can do so on youtube.com slash linuxcast. We record live every Friday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Join us in the chat. You'll happily distract us when you do funny things in the chat, especially if you start arguing about Windows. Um, we're going to – you'll see, you'll just – every once in a while, you'll know that there's a ch somebody doing something funny in the chat because I'll just be over here laughing my ass off while Tyler's talking. He's not saying anything funny, um, but I'm laughing at the chat, so that happens a lot. Um, so if yep. you see my weird facial expressions and you're like, what is Matt making those weird facial expressions? Yeah, I'm, I'm interacting – facially with with the chat anyways uh same, same. It, it just happens um so before we go i should take a moment to thank my current patrons patreon.com slash linuxcast is where you can go if you want to support me thanks to everybody who does support me on patreon youtube you guys are all absolutely amazing people seriously without you the channel just would not be anywhere close to where it is right now so thanks so very much for your support again uh, youtube.com slash linuxcast if you want to watch this live if you want timestamps or are watching this afterwards timestamps do appear on the um, the post recorded thing on youtube it just usually takes a couple hours because it, I you know I come back and do it later so uh, definitely uh, if you want timestamps come back later they'll be there uh, thanks everybody for watching we'll see you next week Bye.